You can subscribe to this show by way of the subscribe at Substack button at truthjihad.com. Welcome back. This is the second hour of Truth Jihad Radio. I'm Kevin Barrett talking to controversial people about controversial topics, stuff that you're not allowed to talk about on social media or at your mother's dinner table. Well, that was a great first hour with Syed Heider, and now we're moving on to more uh, discussions of the, well, what should we call it, the, the culture wars issues. First hour, we were pretty much on the side of the Abrahamic Judeo takeover conspiracy uh, in its culture war with the cultural Marxists. Now we're going to talk with Adam Green, who is a critic of that Abrahamic Judeo takeover conspiracy, a different point of view. He's got a new video out about it, and it's pretty interesting with some pretty wild and crazy quotes from rabbis, from Donald Trump, from Alan Dershowitz. And uh, boy, you could actually fuel a an anti-Semitic conspiracy theory with these kinds of quotes. So let's get into it with Adam. Hey, welcome back, Adam. How are you? Hey, Kevin. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. Yeah, yeah, good to have you back. It's been a while, and you're still chugging along, putting out provocative, interesting stuff. Uh, this latest video, um, it starts out with rabbis confessing that Jews want to control the world. Um, <laughs> it's uh, Where do they get off saying things like that? Don't these rabbis know that that's an anti-Semitic conspiracy theory? I know that this really is like the open conspiracy that they don't want you to talk about. You know, they're conspiracies of, of well, where are we streaming right now? Is this on YouTube? No, we're on revolution.radio. And okay. eventually we will be on other places, but not YouTube because YouTube cannot handle this kind of honest conversation. That's why I was just wanted to make sure, you know, so I could no, no, say whatever you think. Cater to the censorship. Yeah. So basically the the Torah Abrahamic Judeo conspiracy is to take over the world basically by theologically conquering the nations, all their prophecies and their goal. They're they're chosen to be a light unto the nations and to spread the law to the nations and to subdue the nations. And basically, my view is that and not just my view, but top rabbis all throughout history, like 12th century Maimonides, say that both Christianity and Islam are the fulfillment of those prophecies to make all of the nations, all of the goyim, worship the God of Israel and uh, believe in the patriarchs also. And like I said, top Rabbi Maimonides in the 12th century said this. He says this is the fulfillment of that prophecy, and it's preparing the world for the messianic age. The Christianity and Islam basically eradicated all of the so-called pagan idol-worshipping religions and cultures and traditions of people, the nations all over the world, and replaced it with the worship of Yahweh, the God of Israel that chose the Jews of the Torah. No, there's no mention of Yahweh in the Quran or in Islamic tradition whatsoever. Right. Well, but is, Islam is of the Abrahamic beliefs. It believes in the Abrahamic patriarch. Oh, uh, that's true. But Yahweh, the covenant. 
Yeah, Yahweh was originally a henotheistic uh, idol or god among many gods. Henotheism is the precursor to monotheism when you believe, you know, that there are many gods, but your tribal god is is your god, right? And so that's what Yahweh originally was. And I would argue that he never really got past that, whereas Christianity and Islam are radically, radically different. They worship a universal God. They don't worship a henotheistic tribal idol called Yahweh. And that's why they're not tribalistic. Like Jews kind of worship their own tribe. And that leads to all these problems that Euro was dissecting. But Christians and Muslims, no, they don't. They believe in a universal God. It's the God of everyone. And uh, Christians, you know, it's a law. It's very complicated. In Islam, it's really clear that the only difference of you know, hierarchy or gradation or you know, uh, one person being above another is the degree of piety and good works. So there, there's a huge difference really between a tribal God, Yahweh, and the universal God of Christianity and especially Islam. Well, I completely agree that Yahweh came from Canaanite religions and other religions that preceded Judaism. And I agree that it is a tribal God, and I'll argue it's still is the tribal God of the Israelites, of God's chosen people, his holy seed that are a, a treasure to him and the apple of his eye, clearly supremacist, although the rabbis try to deny it with plenty of pilpul. But, um, you know, like top rabbis say that uh, Islam is a Noahide compliant religion because it believes in no idols, but the oneness of God. And it is the God of Abraham. So, it's, well, good, good for them. God bless those rabbis. What's wrong with that? Well, th that was their objective all along in the Torah and in the Talmud, which preceded the creation of Islam. And when the rabbis believe that the Arabs are the descendants of Ishmael, and then a religion pops up where they adopt that same belief that they are from Abraham and Ishmael, and... It, remember, Ishmael, according to Islam, is the impure uh, twin, basically. There's a theme in the Bible with Cain and Abel, uh, even God and Satan, of this dualism. And then it goes on to Jacob and Esau. They, the, the Jews and rabbis believe that Esau is Christianity and r ancient Rome before that. And then now the, Christ the European West represents Esau and Edom, and then they believe that basically that is the antithesis to Jacob, the Jews. And then they believe the same thing with uh, Abraham and Isaac and Ishmael as well. So these are the, the two, uh, from the point of the Jews, like the kind of Judaism for the Gentiles, for two different groups of Gentiles that they've often throughout history pinned them against each other. And in yeah. the end times, yeah. they believe Gog and Magog will be where Ishmael and Esau wage war against one another and mutually destroy each other, where only God's chosen people survive. Yeah, no, I, I think you're uh, you're largely right about that, at least with a certain strain of Jewish thought. Uh, that's true. But, of course, that is merely the perspective of those uh, that particular strain of Jewish thought. And it is not an accurate description of uh, Islam and Christianity by a long shot. It's a it's a kind of a self-serving uh, Jewish uh, tribalistic view that attempts to force these great monotheistic religions into this little template of uh, of this uh, Jewish kind of historical plan. And and so I don't think we should accept that that's all it is. Uh, it's I I think that that you know sort of seeing Christianity and Islam 
as a Jewish conspiracy really misses the fact that the reason that some of these uh, Jewish thinkers, especially this, these apocalyptic messianic sort of Jewish thinkers have come up with this plot to pit the, the Christians and the Muslims against each other in the end times. So they'll kill each other off to pave the way for the Messiah to rule the world and elevate the Jews to their top position that they deserve, which, of course, that is a, a longstanding uh, theme. Uh, Abarbanel, uh, the uh, the idol of Netanyahu's father, who wrote a book on him, is one of the leading thinkers along those lines. Who He actually thought he could start that war between the Christians and the Muslims back uh, 500 years ago. And he thought he could pit the Ottomans against the Christians. And so, yeah, that that thought exists. But that doesn't mean that uh, if we're objectively trying to understand what our Christianity and what what is Islam, that we should ourselves reduce those great religions, which are vastly bigger and greater, more universal. uh, And in many ways, I would say much richer and more um, sophisticated and accurate than Judaism, we shouldn't reduce them to this impoverished view that these particular rabbis try to impose on them. Well, you know, to say that it's more accurate than Judaism kind of implies that Judaism is somewhat accurate. And I think when in Islam, when you affirm the patriarchs and the uh, the stories of that they share in common in the Torah, when you also circumcise when the, the Christians are following the Jewish Messiah and the Muslims also believe in uh, Jesus as a prophet. And it, the goal before Christianity and Islam, long before Islam and Christianity existed, the goal was to subdue the nations. All the Goyim will will worship and be slaves, basically, or destroyed to the God of Israel. That was the goal, and the, their means to accomplishing that was to converting the Gentiles not to be Jews and, and follow Judaism because they don't want them to do that. They must be kept separate, must keep the Holy Seed separate. So they converted them to these basically like quasi like antithesis religions. It's basically like the you know wait, wait, their go to hold on, let me finish this point. Okay. Their go to method for control is always controlling the opposition. So they basically uh coerced the Gentiles into worshiping their God. Fulfilling okay, but, their prophecy. Okay, so so you're saying that when Christianity spread originally in the Roman Empire, it was being sort of covertly pushed by Jewish rabbis who didn't believe in it, but who rather were framing it as a kind of a, a, a fictional belief that they were trying to sell to Gentiles. But I, and then I wonder how you would see that with when when Islam spread. Uh, Clearly, you're right, with Christianity, that was happening within uh, a Jewish community to a certain extent. So Christianity at its birth may have sort of been a real offshoot of Judaism. Islam, on the other hand, not so much. I mean, Islam begins with a a real uh, struggle between the Muslims and the Jews of Medina. And the Quran is not very complimentary to Jews in general. Uh, Neither is it, the Bible. That's part of the scam. What, what does the Bible have to do with it? Well, well, when you when they believe Christianity is Esau and Judaism and the Jews is Jacob, the prophecies are that Esau hates Jacob, and this was where they get their belief that there are chosen to be hated, and and God basically <laughs> yeah. punishes them through the per- persecutory agent of Esau. Um, not so much Ishmael. Ishmael is actually it's 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 influenced by 
Judaism and Christianity, and it's more. It's basically a more improved version of Christianity. It's more Noahide compliant, but um. But, but but what's the evidence that Jews spread either of these religions? I, sure, I'm sure. more of an expert on on Islam, mm-hmm. and uh, as I see it, uh, there's there's absolutely no evidence that Jews were pushing Islam, that the birth of Islam and the spread of early Islam was being sold by Jews. Right. Well, well um, with Christianity, it's Paul the Pharisee is the oldest documents of Christianity that we have. And you can see where he basically just had visions. And, and he doesn't even claim to ever have met Jesus. But he said that he saw him in visions, and really what he did was read all throughout the prophecies of the Old Testament and other books that didn't get included in the canon and find little prophecies here and there. And like in a new midrash, they came up with new myths that fulfill the prophecies of the Old Testament from books like Isaiah and Daniel and Zechariah and Wisdom of Solomon and the Psalms and many others. And they came up, they formed a new, fabricated and constructed a new fake Jewish fulfillment of prophecies and then sold it to the Gentiles. Well, I I could see you could make that argument if you were focusing on the Old Testament pounding Protestants. Uh, who in many ways do seem to be like almost junior partners of Jews, especially in their Zionist endeavors. Uh, I I don't see that with Islam, however, because in Islam we have a uh, a doctrine uh, that says that these earlier scriptures are not perfectly transmitted. They're not entirely accurate. And so Muslims traditionally have not really gone to the earlier scriptures, I think, as much as they should. I mean, I think we should be reading them critically, recognizing that they're uh, not accurately uh, transmitted. And so we can look and see what things in them jive with our understanding as it's corrected by the Quran or not. But uh, again, this theory that somehow, oh, well, you know, the, the Quran's take on the prophets of the Bible is in some ways different. You know, it corrects a lot of these stories in a moral direction. There are kind of moral problems in some of these biblical stories. Uh, Job being hideously tortured uh, with God's connivance as God makes a bet with Satan and then call, you know, crying out in, uh, against God and so on. Whereas in, in the Quranic version, Job, is he suffers and he's rewarded just like we all uh, are rewarded for our sufferings. And so Joseph, rather than being uh, somebody who bought up all of the grain supply in order to make a huge profit during a famine or a drought, uh, as some readings of the biblical story might have it, is a pure, spotless uh, and moral individual uh, and on and on and on. So the Quran is, is teaching consistent, universal morality. And that's quite different, really, from what the Old Testament teaches. And the the, Jews who have now become a tiny minority of monotheists have had great problems, of course, with Christians and now Muslims with with the uh, Zionist invasion of Palestine. I think seeing, so seeing these, uh, these two universal monotheisms as a Jewish conspiracy as having been concocted and spread 
uh, by some group of Jews for their own purposes. I think I think that actually takes these quotes that you've gathered in your video, which are a very interesting bunch of quotes, so very different from each other. Uh, and I think it, it really distorts them on a you know, Procrustean bed, you know, makes them say things they don't really say. Uh, but I mean, you're maybe you could go on and sort of elaborate on on how you see these uh, universal monotheisms participating in in this uh, Jewish messianic millenarian conspiracy to create a one world uh, Jewish ruled state. Sure. Yeah. I mean, if you just if you take a step back, their prophecies were that the whole world would worship their their God and the law will come forth from Zion and. Basically, through Christianity and Islam, they Judaized the world by getting them to believe in the God of Abraham. And does does Islam not believe that the Jews are the, the quote, people of the book? Uh, well, yeah, the, traditionally, people of the book has referred to Jews and Christians. And, of course, Abraham is one of the prophets mentioned in the Quran. The Quran mentions many of the prophets from the Torah and Quite a few prophets that are not in the Torah, uh, mostly Arab prophets. But the idea is that all prophets are transmitting God's message, which is pretty much the same in all cases. It's a message of uh, morality, universal morality, and universal worship of the one God. And there's no tribe, there's no hierarchy, nobody's better than anybody else in this duty that we have and this test that we're undergoing to see if we can uh, joyfully uh, uh, submit ourselves to the uh, one God and creator of all things. And that, that's that, that universal dimension and that, and that moral dimension. And then finally, the spiritual dimension. All of those things are very different, really, from a lot of from most Judaism. That is the spiritual dimension being that the, the, the spiritual life is really what's important, not material life. So salvation is in the Akhira, the, the hereafter, the other world. Uh, whereas in Judaism, salvation is, is comes through progeny in this world because all success is this world and the next world is just Sheol, this sort of dark, damp place underground where nothing really happens. Basically, it's just your grave. So they're, they're, you know, in being universal, moral, and spiritual, um, Islam and, to a great extent, Christianity are really radically different from Judaism, and I don't think they're anything that the Jewish rabbis really would have wanted to create. Well, they've always, many of them have always boasted about it and taken credit that the 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 nations, the Goyim, which were idol worshippers and, and, you know, had uh, multiple gods. And, and I agree. Well, th this is what they say is their goal was to bring monotheism to the world. They were chosen to bring monotheism, the God that chose them, which is the catch, um, you know uh, Laurent Guyanet, right? Yeah, yeah. I translated Laurent Guyanet's book on this, uh, the from Yahweh to Zion, and I, I agree with a lot. You know, maybe eighty, ninety percent of Laurent's critique, um, and it's totally compatible with uh, Islam and presumably Christianity too. Uh, yeah. Also, his book, Our God is Your God Too, but He has chosen us. He has a few chapters right. about this same exact topic. It was actually. You know, I, I use some of his arguments uh, quite frequently. But, right, but, but um, see, the Jews, they can say that, but we don't have to believe it. Like, as a Muslim, I know that God is universal for everybody. There's no group that's better than any other group. The Jews are not special. In fact, in thinking that they're special, they're actually problematic. They're, they're, uh, <laughs> they're course, yeah. singled out as a very problematic group in the Quran. Uh, 
the Christians are the people who are going to be our friends uh, and, the, you know, and the people who say we are Christians, whereas the Jews and the uh, idolaters or polytheists, those are the people you have to watch out for. Right. And in, in, in Judaism, paganism is basically just anybody that's not worshiping the God of Israel. And, it, and it's funny that you brought up the story of Joseph in Genesis, because this is the template that they use to frame the the, the first coming of the Messiah. The, 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 in Judaism, they've always believed in two messiahs um, because God creates the light and the darkness. And it's all about this dualism, you know, uh, Hegelian dialectic controlled opposition thing so they have an evil messiah and a, a good messiah basically is one way to look at it and jesus is following the template Je the first coming the suffering messiah is moshiach ben joseph he's the one that suffers and, and atones for the sin and it's following the template of joseph in the bible it's it's the messiah son of joseph and joseph is like jesus rejected by his brothers rejected by the jews and then is sold into slavery in a foreign land in the what in Egypt, which in the Bible at that time represents basically the Gentile nations, the empire of the Gentiles, and he, he rose to be the power behind the throne and basically you know enslave the Egyptians. And this is metaphorically how the Jews used the suffering Messiah that they supposedly rejected in these memes. There's no real rejection, in my opinion. It's completely a fictional construct just derived from these different motifs and themes from the old testament and so this reject the so-called rejection that christians get so angry about that the jews rejected their their messiah that was intended to come and conquer the gentiles and bring vengeance to them and essentially that is what jesus did because he theologically conquered they, the, the jews could never win militarily against these much greater empires but they could win with psychological warfare and theological spiritual battle, which is what they did. And they, through Jesus, they convinced the non-Jews to worship the Messiah that was meant to, initially meant to conquer them, and was effective that way because through Christianity, Christianity and Islam, which both uh, uphold Jesus, uh, they uh, have half of the world believing in the Abrahamic myths, which was their goal all along. So you think they're doing this for ideological, religious purposes. It's not so much that they think that they're going to be ruling the world uh, more easily if they have Jews and Christians out there in the world. But you're saying that it's that they believe in one God. They believe it's their God, but he's also supposed to be the God of the other people, too. But they're the Chosenites. And so they're just happy to have other people worshiping this version of their God, right? So if that's the case, so what? Why not let them just be happy? What's wrong with the Jews wanting to theologically conquer the world and having them be happy about it? What do you mean? What does theologically conquer the world mean? I mean, if if like religion, if you see religion as a form of of control, which it's always been used to control people. Then if like look at how the Christian Zionists today are being controlled by in serving Israel and serving their aims there would if without Christianity, there would be no Christian Zionism. No, no, I, and, I disagree. And they want the whole world to be Noahides, which basically uh, uh, they admit that the Jews are chosen by God and follow their God and are here to serve them. That's what that's what they intend on happening. And the Christians are fulfilling that for them. Well, uh, you know, Christian Zionism is very far from traditional Christianity. Even Protestantism, to some extent, is with its worship of the Old Testament. But 
you know, the, the Rothschilds had to hire Cyrus Schofield, the you know, medicine swindler and, and horse thief or whatever he was, barely literate, but somehow published this Schofield Bible through Oxford University Press, being funded by friends of the Rothschilds. That's Untemeyer, how they were right? To, Untemeyer? Yeah, Untemeyer, right. Yeah. So, so that's, they, they did manage to con a certain group of very unsophisticated Protestant Christians into becoming, you know, uh, Bible thumpers, uh, right. Schofield Bible thumpers for their Zionist project. But uh, it seems to me in the larger picture, I think what you're missing, Adam, is like you're, you're sort of seeing all of this, con- you know, this congruity and this, you know, that the, the, all the Abrahamic religions are going along with this Jewish plan for world conquest. I, I don't see that. I think it's the opposite. I think that actually what what you see is that, you know, going back uh, several centuries you see that the uh, you see, well, for you see, see the uh, arrival of the self-styled Antichrist, Shabtai Zvi, who's a spinoff from the Jewish tradition. But you remember these these rabbis? They all you know, uh, ten rabbis, eleven opinions, or maybe nine, eleven, nine rabbis, eleven, whatever it is. The, the rabbis uh, are have have a lot of different views, and they're always quarreling with each other. But uh, Shabtai Zvi created a huge split in the Jewish community when he declared himself Messiah and called on the Jews to go back to Palestine with him. And then, of course, he nominally converted to Islam to save his head uh, after he was arrested by the Sultan and his followers then followed him into crypto Islam and became the Danmei group. Uh, So that group then is said to have been crucial in the formation of these uh, satanic and esoteric uh, quasi-Freemasonic currents behind uh, the Rothschild banking empire and, and various other power centers. So those people are trying to, you know, f- fulfill some sort of messianic millenarian prophecy, but more from a actual satanic perspective. And they're conning the worshipers of the one God into going along with them. And so it, you know, I, I would argue that today Zionism is obviously not Jewish. Uh, prior to World War II, the vast majority of rabbinical establishment worldwide agreed that Zionism was heretical and if, if not satanic. And it was only after the shock of the so-called Holocaust that we got this kind of uh, majority of rabbis agreeing that Zionism was an OK Jewish thing. I would argue they were wrong that it's a satanic project. It's not even Jewish. Uh, Nature Karda is right. And and so what we really have is uh, a war between Satanists and followers of God. And the Zionists are the Satanists. And on the other side, you have the Christians, the Muslims, and Jews like Nature Karda, who are worshipers of God. And uh, that I should then frame within the larger framework of worshiping the one God, uh, and Abraham sort of being the prototype of that, is a good thing, not a bad thing, as you seem to apply sometimes. And one of the ways that we can see that it's a really good thing is that it ends paganism, which, as Rene Girard showed in his brilliant anthropological works, is all based on human sacrifice. And so this Abrahamic tradition of monotheism is all about putting an end to this ubiquitous practice of human sacrifice and the big lies that attend human sacrifice, which has always been the mechanism by which human societies, which up until then were always pagan societies, hold themselves together. They turn on somebody and lynch them. They turn on an innocent and preferably a pure and holy person and lynch them 
and then build a statue to them, that becomes a pagan god. And this is the way that all pagan societies have always operated. And monotheism, as Ray Girard showed us, puts an end to that. So what we have here is that Satanism is a, a sacrificial cult. It wants the most brutal and horrific sacrifices possible. And that's what they want to rebuild the temple to do. The, the, and then the Antichrist will be indeed doing that, rebuilding the temple, uh, carrying out horrific sacrifices, whether in the temple or wherever they carry out their uh, human sacrifices of children. That's, a th that's their thing. And so that what we're seeing here is not some sort of Jewish plan to conquer the world. The real issue we have here is a satanic plan to conquer the world on behalf of Satan. And, you know, paganism is also satanic. This, again, it's all based on human sacrifice. So I'm sure you don't agree with that perspective, but there it is. So, so what you just said at the end there, that it's not a, a Jewish sacrifice no. plan, that it's a satanist plan yes so, absolutely so, so the jews aren't aren't at fault here and it's not but, no, the, jews, the torah the jews and the fault. supremacist jews no no the, the, see built-in problems with judaism uh having to do with the people that we call jews today are the people who rather than uh in basically embracing universal monotheism as taught by all of the prophets and then uh, most obviously Jesus and Muhammad, peace upon both of them, rather than embracing universal monotheism, which is the one true correct religion and always has been, has always been the religion of the pure holy people who have opposed human sacrifice in pagan societies throughout all of human history, uh, rather than embracing that pure, spotless, universal monotheism and self-surrender, ecstatic self-surrender to the one and only God, these people hung on to this henotheistic tendency to worship my God, my tribal idol among a world of many tribal idols. So they're actually still a little bit pagan in that respect. They're henotheistic and that uh, egotistical clinging to you know, the, the Satan, his motto is I am better than him, right? That's a Quranic line. And the Jew, those people we call Jews today are people who clung to that uh, egotistical feeling that they're better than others, that they're the chosenites, that they're the, the ones, you know, their God is, everybody else's too but they're special right and that kind of egotism actually is the opposite of the total surrender to god that is the the right path and always has been so yeah there's a problem in judaism that lauren guyanot documents beautifully that led to these problems but what we're seeing today with zionism and all of these other isms these spin-offs from messianic millenarian and largely jewish messianic militarian thought communism uh, cultural Marxism on all these attempts to tear down the world and then rebuild the world as a perfect world by destroying gender categories, by uh, using massive technology to pave the earth and just change everything, rebuild a whole new world, air condition the planet, yada, 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 all of this kind of stuff to destroy the God's natural world that God created and gave us. We're supposed to love the world and love God. Instead, we hate the world. We hate God. We rebel. We tear everything down. We build an artificial paradise uh, quote unquote, which is actually a hell on earth. I mean, this is all satanic. It's not Judaism, and obviously, it's it's not even you know humanistic. This is this is all satanic. So that's I think the problem, and the, the problem is Satanism, and the problem with Judaism is that it never overcame that little spark of satanic egotism. Um, you mentioned Schofield and, and Darby. Like I, I agree with, with you. It's not disputable that that's when Christian Zionism in America really took off. And yes, it was funded by Untermeyer and uh, top Zionist. 
but Christian, the beliefs and the prophecies of the Jews returning to the land, there's quotes from top pastors going back to the 1500s and the 1700s. So there was always the desire to fulfill God's prophecy to return the Jews to the Holy Land and and uh, in order for Jesus to ultimately return and have the Jews convert. So it didn't just start with Schofield, and it's it really, it was a, almost like a time capsule, and getting the Gentiles to believe in the Torah and the in, believe in Jewish prophecies is um, that was the Trojan horse into getting them to ultimately turn into the advocates. That's the other thing, is that Esau, uh, and even through the Yom Kippur Kabbalah uh, rituals, reveal that Esau is meant to go from the persecution of the Jews to the advocates of the Jews. And this is how we see the history of Christian anti-Semitism, which has kept the Jews separate and kept them believing in their books that they're chosen and kept them uh, fearful and hateful of the Gentile. And it's also given them their victim status and their divine holy atonement and turned Gentiles really into the villains They've scapegoated us as the villains in this whole story. And you mentioned Satanism a bunch of times. Uh, the, the Jews have always believed that Christianity is a form of Satanism. They believe in this dualistic nature. Christianity is Esau. Esau represents the darkness, the Sitra Atra, the evil other side. And Jesus is essentially the adversarial Messiah to the Jews, right? Mm -hmm. He is there. This is why they say that he's boiling an excrement in hell and that he is um, he is idol worship. He is tempting the Jews to idol worship. This is the role that Satan plays in Judaism. He's the tempter and the prosecutor and the punisher. And these are all roles that Jesus has fulfilled through Christianity. And, uh, it, you know, you always hear the Jews complaining that Christians believe that they're satanic and that they're the synagogue of Satan because it says these things in the Bible. So the Bible that the Jews gave to the Gentiles, but... Really, they actually believe that Esau and Ishmael are satanic, and our souls come from the three satanic spheres of the Sitratra, the evil other side. Yeah, and so that, those are examples of these um, bits of, I would call it you know, Satanism or whatever. Uh, they're they're um, wrong teachings that were clung to by these people who had to feel themselves better than others. Again, the Satan's motto is, I am better than him. And yeah, those seeds of problems in the teachings that were retained by the people who called themselves Jews, as opposed to those who became universal monotheists and generally became Christians or Muslims. Although I think there are people who practice a universal monotheism within Judaism as well. Um, you know, those, those that kind of school of thought then led to all of all of these sorts of problems. So yeah, I, I agree with that part. But again. Um, I think that you're giving these rabbis too much credit by, you know, they're basically, they're sort of like... Look at the power they the, have the rooster, today, The though. rooster taking credit for the sunrise. Okay, hey, we're the ones who created these, you know, we we, we made, uh, you know, three, three and a half... They call us cattle, Christians and Christians and probably Muslims. say that they're sheep. Yeah, I mean, they, they can say what they want, but they, uh, uh, you know, it, it, today... Look at their Another power that they have. Look at look at their power. What else would you explain that gave them that power? If not the that half the world believes that they're they were once chosen by God and that they have a covenant with God. 
Oh, I, I think their power, uh, well, when we talk about Jewish power today, um, I don't think it's mostly even religious power. I think that historically, the disproportionate power that the so-called Jewish communities seem to hold primarily in the West, not so much in Asia, not so much in the Islamic world, but here in the formerly Christian West, I think that power actually doesn't come from the Jewish religion or the Jewish religion's manipulation of any other religion, but it comes from, on the contrary, is the decline of religion in the West, specifically the decline of Christianity. And what we see in the Jewish community is Jews not encouraging Christianity and certainly not encouraging Islam. We see them encouraging secularism from the get-go, from as secularism starts to develop in the West, the first people pushing not religious Jews. Jews, not religious Jews. Right. And, but, and the but, whole, but the, the whole the Jewish community, Jewish identity is completely built upon the Torah. There would be no Jewish people and Jewish identity if not. It, it's all predicated on the Torah. Right. But but see, the Jewish community in the West arose from a position where it was considerably less powerful uh, than today to a more powerful position over the past two, three, four centuries, mainly because of this process of secularization, which the Jews pushed and the intellectual currents and the, 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 the secret societies and so on. Uh, that were pushed to encourage secularism, Freemasonry, obviously, uh, have had a really disproportionate Jewish component. And the Jews had every reason to try to secularize modern Western society because that led them then to, once you got a secular enlightenment-based society, then Jews were emancipated, they're called. So instead of being locked up in the pale of settlement, being locked up in the ghettos, being pre prevented from uh, pre going into certain professions, suddenly they can do any darn thing they want. And because of their ethnic nepotism, um, their chosenness syndrome, uh, their extreme ethnocentrism, and uh, to some extent probably a uh, maybe a 10, 10 point or so IQ edge over non-Jews, uh, which actually can become, uh, you know, percentage wise, that can actually give them when you talk about the really high IQ people who actually make things happen. There's going to be a you know, pretty serious disproportion there with the Jewish population. They consciously did this by breeding their smartest rabbinical students uh, with uh, the daughters of the bankers and the, and the merchants. And so for all of these reasons, a, a Jewish elite, ethnically Jewish, but not very religious, that was encouraging secularism, its main ideology was secular, has actually dominated the West now for two centuries. Centu centu uh, hello. Yeah, there we yeah. go. Yeah. So I think those those are the people who are taking over the world, not the religious Jews. The religious Jews, these rabbis that you're showing us, they're crowing and they're bragging and they're braying like donkeys but they're not taking over anything. It's the the bankers and the secular people and the atheists who are actually in charge. Chabad Lubavitch is one of the most Jew powerful religious Jewish organizations in the world. It was reported in New York Times back in the 90s. They were bringing in $100 million a year. Uh, many of the top Jewish billionaires are meeting with them and – uh, getting their kosher stamp of approval in the Jewish community. They have huge influence with Likud, also with, uh, you know, through Jared Kushner and in politics with, with Trump. And they're all for Christianity. They're against secular, secularism. They have the common enemies of, of the, the pagans, basically. They, they constantly tout the Judeo-Christian values. And Christians, uh, uh, 
Jews have like a love-hate rela- relationship with Christianity, just like Christians have a love-hate relation- relationship with Jews. And they basically need each other. They're both caught in a Judeo construct where it's two opposing um, Christian sects arguing about who the Messiah is. So it's all basically Judeo at the un- end of the day. And they've always been talking targeting Gentiles. Paul was the apostle to the Gentiles. He targeted the Gentiles with this uh, belief in Jesus. And without Christianity, I don't think there would be a state of Israel today without Christian Zionism supporting them. And I think the key to their influence is not just that they believe they're chosen, and but through the power of Christianity and their prophecies and their, their rabbis say that that you know they used the Roman Empire, they subverted it with this religion and spread that religion all over the world. And now the rabbis are bragging throughout history and today that this is uh, all fulfillment of their goals. Well, you know, if you think the biggest power center in the world is Chabad Lubavitch, well, maybe. But when I look at, what I didn't I say think, the biggest in the world. But they are. I don't think anybody would dispute they're one of the most powerful organizations in the world. It's like an international mafia. Yeah, I mean, I, there's certainly one of the mafias out there. But when I look at, I, I would try to figure out, okay, so who, who's really the establishment? Who's, uh, you know, who's at the top of the world power pyramid today? The kinds of institutions I would look at would be the uh, Davos crowd. The the New York Times would be expressing the view, uh, and the Washington Post to some extent, and the other mainstream media outlets that follow them. Uh, the worldview that you get from the New York Times, Washington Post, uh, the liberal intellectual worldview that you get from the universities, uh, that is the de facto religion of the vast majority of the current elite. And that religion is secular, human, humanist, materialist progressivism. It has nothing to do with any Abrahamic monotheism. In, what about uh, the Abraham Accords going on as well? And... And also, I mean, you would agree the American empire is like the most uh, dominant uh, empire in the world. And the Jews have always believed that they, America and the Christian West is the new Rome. They are Edom. And uh, so Christ, Christianity, there's more Christians in America. It's the number one evangelical Zionist Christians is the number one religion. Almost nine out of ten people in Congress identify as Christian. So they're all affirming Jewish prophecies, the, the Jewish uh, uh, patriarchs, and the Torah. And that's powerful. And that's why Israel, uh, America is Israel's greatest slave. An ally. Sorry. Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I remember Barry Shamish coming on my show a few times. Uh, he's a religious Jew who got into trouble with some of the Israeli authorities and then you know, some of the international Jewish authorities. And he always thought, that, you know, uh, the sort of there was a religious Jewish current, of course, in Israel. But when Israel was founded, uh, he agreed with the majority of historians, I believe, that the founders of Israel were basically atheists. Now, they did read the Old Testament as a kind of epic history of their illustrious forebears of their tribe, um, the same way that, you know, a, a Greek might read the Odyssey or West African, you know, might read uh, the Sunjata epic. But they were far from religious. They were far from actually believing in God. Uh, and the, you know, people like Ben Gurion uh, and the other founders of Israel, and, and indeed Theodore Herzl and other founders of Zionism, 
were atheists. They're all atheists. And the likewise, the actual elites who are running the show, uh, it seems to me, have been increasingly atheists since the 19th century. Will, the A.N. Wilson's book, God's Funeral, documents the loss of religious faith among Western elites during the 19th century. And so what we have today is that the elite is, is again, secular, progressivist, materialist, um, you know, Freemasonic to the extent there's any cult there. And Freemasonry is largely a you know, disproportionately Jewish attempt to turn turn christians into secularists and you know why you may ask do the jews want to turn secularists because they have a problem with christians they have a problem with muslims but not so much with seculars because then they can compete on equal terms and dominate the society and jews have thrived in the secular societies they didn't thrive in the religious societies they never have never will they're never really dominant they've, they've done okay in muslim societies uh, but they haven't dominated them the way they dominate the secular west so the jews have engineered the secularization these in secular jews, it, atheists, is the west really secular jews, though christianity has dominated over. The so you've had it actually backwards it's I think that the, rather than purveying the religion to take over the world, uh, nominal Jews who are actually atheists have taken over the world by secularizing the world, depriving uh, Christians and to some extent Muslims of their religious heritage, which actually would have protected them from this world takeover attempt. Well, many rabbis are against secularism and want everybody following a monotheistic god which is their god in their opinion that they want everybody to be noahides that's the goal not not atheist and i i mean israel was founded by uh, some atheist players but there would have been no zionism if not for judaism it's completely de- you could, it wouldn't have been a thing there would have been no desire to return to any holy land if not for the bible and for judaism and there was other pr- uh, prior Kabbalah Zionist movements in the 1700s with the Gaon of Vilna, one of the top Kabbalah rabbis. Also, Ben Gurion and Herzl, these people may have not literally believed the Bible as historical uh, fact, but they were still greatly influenced by these Jewish, you know, even allegorical myths. They're still influenced their decision making. And there's even plenty of Ben Gurion quotes. Uh, saying that this is like prophecy fulfilling and, and you know, based off the uh, um, prophecies and stuff like that. And, and also there, there was a, you mentioned earlier, there was uh, ultra-Orthodox Jews that were anti-Zionist at the time because there's, you know, Jews have different opinions. Some believe that they're meant to do the work and hasten the Messiah themselves. Uh, Guyana Vilna was one of those rabbis that believed they need to go back and build the temple and resettle the land and then the Messiah would come. Whereas other rabbis like Natura Karta believe that the Messiah is supposed to come and lead them back. But at the end of the day, they're really still Zionists. They still believe in uh, that they're chosen. They still believe that uh, they will return to the land one day and fulfill the prophecies of being God's chosen people and basically, you know, uh, ruling the world. The prophecies of the Old Testament of them being the master race to rule the world are just the most supremacist things. I'm, I'm sure you know the most supremacist things you've ever seen. So I, I see this idea, not, not just with you, but with a lot of people, especially Christians, they don't want to lay any blame on like the Jews and the Torah for the Zionist New World Order conspiracy. They want to say like, 
uh, it's almost like Christians have a blind spot. So they want to say, oh, it's only the Talmudic Jews or it's it's actually the secular Jews that are the problem. But I see the main source of the Jewish control coming from just straight from the Torah and the Talmud and Kabbalah that are predicated on the Torah. Yeah, no, I wouldn't completely disagree with that. And uh, again, I would invoke the uh, Islamic uh, doctrine that the Torah has not been well kept and well transmitted. And I think there are all sorts of very problematic things in the Torah. And as I said, I think the interpretation of the Torah, the Jewish interpretation of the Torah that you know, deconstructs in, from Yahweh to Zion is problematic. And again, it does contribute to these problems. I'm totally with you on that. But I just think that the today, when I look around the world, uh, you know, the, the problems that I see are really not that we're faced with this likelihood of a bunch of these crazy rabbis that you put in your video taking over the world and ruling us from Jerusalem and forcing us to follow the Noahide laws. I think it's much more likely that we're going to have uh, Klaus Schwab and the other atheists from Davos putting together a uh, techno dystopia with people like Yuval Harari being the high priests of this mm -hmm. new religion of the elite. So, yeah, they're going to enslave the masses, but they're all atheists and they're going to use technology developed by their ultra materialist atheism to enslave the masses. And these rabbis may be you know, blabbing in the ghetto of Brooklyn and it, they're not going to be players in this game. Oh, it's funny you mentioned technology because the Gaona Vilna, the, like the top Kabbalist rabbi of the 17th century, was all about technology uh, being the means that they're going to uh, be able to fulfill their prophecies. No, yeah, Gaia and, and, and Vilna, that's not the same guy as Abarbanel. Uh, no. The, no, okay. You know, different one. No. Yeah. And, and you see Israel is like, uh, as Netanyahu says, quote, a rising power among the, the nations, among the Goyim. And through their advanced technology, through their, uh, you know, teaming up and leeching off of America uh, via Christianity for the most part. And, you know, obviously money and political influence. But um, that's that is how they're going to be able to achieve it. And if they're able to engineer pro uh, engineer prophecy to you know, be involved in two world wars that led to the creation of Israel, I wouldn't rule out the possibility that they can engineer uh, Gog and Magog, Armageddon, World War III, and, uh, and then come out on top with a technocracy that's largely controlled, you know, through, uh, through Israel and their allies, uh, and, the, and their allies and their new uh, Belt and Road Initiative and their Abraham Accords and after they destroy Edom, which is America and the Christian West, because Christianity and Islam weren't meant to um, uh, be uh, last forever. They're meant to be ultimately destroyed and destroy each other. Well, from the point of view of you know extremist Jewish millenary and messianic uh, thought, that may be true, um, but. Uh, that thought is just one little speck on this massive, you know, ocean of thought of different schools of thought, you know, sweeping around the world. And again, I I don't really see the world wars being plotted by uh, pious Jewish rabbis. I mean, I see the world wars being plotted by atheist bankers whose families lost faith like at least a century before. Um, so uh, and I also see these various kinds of atheistic millenarian messianic belief systems like Marxism, for example. Uh, and, and we today we have uh, well, what do we have these uh, post uh, uh, what, what do they call it? The, the uh, 
the people who basically want to get beyond humanism and you know re-engineer uh, humans, the transhumanists. These these kinds of messianic millenarian belief systems that have split off partly from Judaism, probably mostly from Judaism, you know, like Karl Marx, of course, was influenced by his Jewish roots. Uh, but they're also you know, drawing on all kinds of millenarian thought. Uh, those systems, I think, are pretty far apart, really, from traditional, pious Jewish thought. And Not Kabbalah, though. Not Kabbalah. Yeah, Kabbalah is a weird thing. I mean, there's, 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 mm-hmm. uh, isn't Kabbalah, like, largely about doing uh it's called a form of mysticism but it often lends itself to magical practice or black magic so people who want to manipulate uh the world and perhaps even history through these kinds of esoteric and magical means may be using the kabbalistic system but again i don't think that means that they're necessarily sort of pious orthodox jews by any means i mean every alistair crowley used the kabbalah right for satanism uh and and so have so many others mcgregor mathers and william butler, butler yates and there's this massive esoteric tradition out there that draws on kabbalah but isn't exactly jewish is it well you know talk about like leading transhumanists like zuckerberg i got a clip of zuckerberg saying that what inspires him is something his rabbi told him about how god creates so zuckerberg loves to create things and uh like facebook uh bought out whatsapp the big messaging app that was started by a, a russian jew and he is one of the biggest financiers of chabad related groups it uh, recently was uh big articles written about that so i i of course, there is many, many high-level uh, atheists out there and secular people, but it, there is, you know, I'm not saying it's a monolithic, complete control, but the religious influence, you know, throughout the world, you can't downplay the religious influence on things, put it that way. Okay. And so finally, we only have a few minutes left. What do you I've think enjoyed about- the talk very much, too. I knew this would be a good one. Yeah, yeah, I know. It's great. I, I miss talking with you. It's been a couple of years, and I was looking forward to it. So how, how about Trump? You know, I had Art Olivier on here. He's a student of Freemasonry, uh, not a practitioner, just he's <laughs> a hostile student of Freemasonry. And he thinks that Trump is the chosen one, like mm-hmm. the you know, Jewish Messiah who will be the Antichrist for the Christians and the Muslims. Um, and you, you have Trump uh, talking about how Israel owned Congress and how wonderful that was and how mm-hmm. Israel had such power and rightfully over Congress. So and Trump is trying to make, you know, come back as a kind of a chosen one. Do you, do you see him as playing a role in this? I definitely do. You know, I'm suspicious if he's been groomed for a long time to fill out, play out some messianic role. In fact, I just did a live stream last night uh, uh, titled is Trump the Jewish Messiah to destroy America? Because they believe in Isaiah Isaiah 63, it talks about a Messiah will rise up out of Edom and will destroy Edom. And this is what the Messiah is meant to do. He he comes. This is what the Kabbalah is full of, by the way. There's no actual magic in the Kabbalah. Uh, it's just a bunch of like Jewish manifesto ramblings, uh, cryptically hiding their messianic blueprint plans, basically. And it involves... Only the Jews being around in the world to come in the messianic age and uh, Esau being completely destroyed in order for their messianic age to commence, which must be their timetable is it's happening in the next 220 years because we're in the year 5780 something uh, on the Jewish calendar. And um, I forgot my train of thought when I got off. Yeah, Trump. Trump, 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 Trump
would be a good uh like sort of you know antichrist messiah to destroy Edom. I mean, he's uh, definitely uh an agent of extreme destabilization in mm-hmm. in the West. Absolutely. Yes. Uh, I also had on there's a guy on Twitter that that built up a a big account really quick. He's got like 30,000 followers now. And he's the whole account is just about documenting that Trump is the Antichrist. I had him on to do a show that was really popular, got a lot of views. And um, and and I just did the video last night playing clips of rabbis calling Trump, many rabbis calling him the Messiah of Edom. And and this is what all the rabbinical literature is about. Edom, Esau must be destroyed. Esau and Amalek have to be blotted out uh, in order for their messianic age to commence. And uh, yeah. that basically translates as the destruction of the Christian West in a big war using Islam against them. Interesting. Well, I, I hope it doesn't pan out that way, but uh, you never know. <laughs> Look at okay, Russia, well, Iran, Turkey, America, Israel, and, and what will happen if there is a big war, Israel will most likely instigate it somehow with Iran or, uh, you know, what's going on in Ukraine and Russia. And um, I think America will end up uh, going down and Israel will, may betray, they, and then they'll just set up their new... Uh, Abrahamic Accords, Belt and Road Initiative with China, and, uh, you know, the, uh, could, could be. the rest, yeah, oh, are we closing out? Get the bumper music, Adam, so uh, we're going to have to leave it off there, but I'll have to try and ask uh, Shafe and Ronald Hussain what he thinks of your scenario. It sounds pretty uh, sure. pretty interesting. Well, thank you so much. It's great talking again. Uh, thank you. No much. more news to find more of my material. Thanks so much, Kevin. Okay. Thank you, Adam. Bye. All right. Thank you for listening to Kevin Meredith, truthjihad.com. Back next week. See you then.